This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha in caverns deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 691 Whoa. of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. I'm your head number one, the Internet's Joe Patrick, and our holiday break is over. It's time to get back to work, Matt. My name is Matt Baum. I'll be your head number two, and you're right, Joe. The Moloids danced around the burning Christmas tree and the Hanukkah bush yesterday until their holiday magic was dead. So, in the words of my short brothers in arms, hi-ho, hi-ho. It's back to friggin' work we go. In this episode, we're back to reviewing new comics from the last two Wednesdays, and after that, we'll tell you, listeners, about our must-read new comic picks for next week. Finally, we're going to give you a sneak peek of our Patreon THN Extra, where we're talking about our Nerd Year Resolutions. It's a thing we do on this show. It's a new year for THN, and it all starts with 2023's first review time in the Ziggurat! Although we are going to jump right back to 2022. Yeah, I mean, we'll get there. We'll get there. December 28th, 2022. Before we write off 2022, we need to cover six of the year's final comics, and then it is on to the first new comics of 2023. So don't get too excited too quick. We'll get there. Don't put that stuff away yet. Matt, why don't you get us started with how the Green Lantern Corps ended? 2022. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> I, Hold I, on I, to your butts, people. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I missed a whole lot of content. Apparently. Uh, I'll tell you that much. We're talking about John Stewart, the Emerald Knight, number one. Notice it does not say Green Lantern anywhere on the cover. That will come into play later. You'll see. This is from DC. It's 599. It's written by Jeffrey Thorne with art by Marco Santucci. Here is your solicit. John Stewart has been trapped in the dark sectors for months with the rest of his Green Lantern comrades with the power of the Godstorm at his disposal. You know, Joe, the Godstorm. We talk about it all the time. It's an old Green Lantern thing, right? I mean, it is something that is established. <laughs> is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll get there, too. John's using everything he can to take down Isak, the mad new god, and bring his fellow corpsmen home. John will need to become something new. To win the war against Isak, he'll need to become the Emerald Knight. So I often make notes while I am reading these to help me with my review. And the first note that I made, I have a prose and I have a con section. And in the con section, the first note I've made said, what the f*** am I reading? <laughs> Not too long ago, we read a Superman special that tied up the War World saga. And loyal yeah. listeners will recall we had no idea what was going on, mainly because we weren't going to update on Philip Kennedy Johnson's Superman story. Well, get ready for round two, because if you went into this issue thinking, hey, I'm going to check on Jon Stewart and see what's going on with his status quo, be prepared to wonder what the frig is even happening here. There was so much that has just dropped in the reader's lap. 
with no explanation. And the creative team spends the entire time trying to cleverly tie up the Dark Sector story while not explaining Stuart's godlike powers at all. Did I mention he's some kind of god now? Don't worry, he's soon going to be a Green Lantern again. And a god that deals in hypertime, I guess. He splits in two. Spoiler. Yeah, that was. <laughs> so through the magic of editing, we took a little break to talk this one through because it's extremely confusing. But spoiler, yeah. in the end, there is definitely two John Stewarts. One is the Emerald Knight. The other is the John that we know and love. He takes the Green Lantern Corps and they are going home to rejoin the regular DCU Green Lantern Corps, where I prefer them personally. These other guys are going to stay in the dark sectors, which are all connected by hypertime. <laughs> yeah, there's hypertime. Yeah. Hypertime is all. Yeah. So Santucci is a solid artist, but he's so busy with Thorne's wrap-up story here that he never gets a chance to do much other than draw characters talking their way out of one of the most convoluted storylines that I've ever wandered into. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of action. Too. There's a, there is a lot of action, but it's all so crushed. Everything's just like crushed, you know? I, I yeah. just felt like it was like panel, 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 because they had so much they needed to get done. I'm going to give this a skim it because it doesn't look bad. Like, it's not a failure of a comic book. This is obviously tying up this Dark Sector story why the story we did not read right and why they couldn't do this in the pages of green lantern i don't know other than they just wanted to get it done but it does feel rushed well there is no green lantern book right now i guess that's true this does feel rushed and it does feel like they tried to do a lot really quick and all they needed to do once again all they needed to do was put something in the formatter that says Re Previously in Green Lantern or previously, yeah. Jon Stewart was doing this. You can read it in these issues. Here is where you will find this. Because if you're just like, oh, I like Jon Stewart. You know what? I haven't read about him forever. I'm going to pick up this comic and see what's going on. You will have no idea where it came from. You'll have no idea what's going on with the character. And it also doesn't tell you what's coming next. It just goes, to be continued. <laughs> Pardon me, it doesn't say to be continued, but it does have the guy that's been helping them, who is, I thought, was also a god, maybe? I don't know. He's he, a new god, I thought. He looked like Ion for a minute there. He was wearing, like, the white outfit with the circle on well, it, but now I mean, he's... Ion is Kyle Rayner. They all have white circles on their own. Well, outfit. now he's all in green, and he looks right at you, and he goes, end chapter one. So we're going to get more of this somewhere, I maybe. guess. But, so we're, we're getting a... We're getting a Green Lantern, Hal Jordan book, and a Green Lantern, John Stewart book. So maybe this will be picked up there. I, I don't know. Hope not. But I I don't I don't want to blame this on the creators because they were obviously finishing the story that they they've been telling this whole time. Right. I just don't know where that was playing out, and we didn't read it. And this book is is first of all, it doesn't say one shot anywhere on it, but nope. I think it is a one shot and. There's nothing in here, like you said, there's nothing in here that says for more about John's saga, read these books. This is billed as John Stewart, the Emerald Knight, number one. I know it says number one, but so did the war. Like, I mean, all a lot of things say number one. I know, on but them. a lot of things say one shot on them as well. Yes, but it, they're inconsistent in their numbering on this we can agree. Like yeah. 
Grifter's Grifter got run over by a reindeer. Number one, right? Like that, we know there's not going to be a number two. I, I ag- agreed. I'm just saying they are literally not doing anyone any favors here. No, no, no. It's a failure of marketing. It's a failure. <laughs> yeah, of, it's, it's a failure terrible. of marketing. It's a failure of packaging. It's not a failure of the creators. Uh, the story. There's no point in reading this if you haven't been reading the John Stewart story. No. And that makes me sad because I like John Stewart. I'll I'll definitely check out his new number one and hopefully it will be a proper jumping on point. This is not one. No. Uh, it's a skimmit for me. The art is nice. I will say the story feels very throwback, like late 80s, it's, early you know, 90s. It's cosmic Green you know, Lantern. It's kind of old fashioned cosmic well, not, action. Not it's, to mention the fact that like we just got out of a major crossover with a character that's trying to rewrite the universe. And here is the story of Jon Stewart dealing with a character that's trying to rewrite the universe. But this character is kind of like your racist QAnon uncle who just thinks things were better back in the day. You know, <laughs> back before it was so woke. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, like before the new gods got all woke. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, it's yeah. I mean, I get it. But again, I didn't love the story. Like I see, but it's not the it's not the fault of the creator. I mean, it is a skimmit. It's a skimmit, and uh, I'm hoping that the the new ongoing is better. Um, But this is not really a great entry point into John Stewart. DC, do better. Just do better. You're not doing these creators any favors or yourselves. All you got to do is say, hey, if you liked this, if somehow you gleaned something from this without reading the rest of the story, go pick up this trade paperback. And you can figure yeah. out how we got here. And maybe you sell a couple of those right now. No clue. I have no clue where this, where this came from, how we got here, why John Stewart's doing this. Oh, and there's two of them, which feels like a having your cake and eating it too. Cause we don't have to tie up the story. We can do both. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> In other DC news, my first review is of action comics. Number 1050. It's five ninety nine. It's written by our boy PKJ, Philip Kennedy Johnson Jr., Joshua Williamson, and Tom Taylor. I threw the j- junior in there because of it's a callback to yeah, yeah, earlier yeah. in the show. I'm gonna edit him. that though. So don't oh dang it! Yeah. With art by Mike Perkins, Clayton Henry, and Nick Dragota. Here's your solicit: The Dark Crisis is over, and a new dawn shines on the DCU. In the wake of cataclysmic battles with Mongol, Henry Bendix, and Pariah's Dark Army, Kal-El is back on Earth and here to stay. And the people of our planet are ready to look up, up, and away into a brighter tomorrow. Well, most of the people. (laughs) Clark Kent's reunion with Lois and his son, John Kent, proves fleeting when strikes the ultimate attack from Superman's greatest adversary, Lex Luthor. But this time, something is different. Luther has stolen something from Clark's life, something so important that it will change the very planet itself. If you think you've seen the biggest battle between Superman and Lex Luthor, think again. The Clash will rock the course of their lives forever, and it's only the beginning. Two years worth of Superman stories come to a head in this oversized anniversary issue with all-star talent that launches Superman and the DCU into a new exciting era. A couple of years after Brian Michael Bendis revealed the secret of Superman's double life to the world, the genie is violently stuffed back into its bottle. But reclaiming a secret identity is messy business, and the writers establish some pretty chilling consequences while setting things up for the upcoming Super Relaunch. The story is compelling and full of exciting moments like a great fight with a mech suit wearing Lex Luthor on the moon, 
And we get an all new mystery in the form of Superman's changing powers. That's new to me. The art is a bit all over the place, but I liked it overall, especially Nick Dragota's over the top oh, pages. Yeah. God damn. That scene where He's, Superman is like punching Lex. I'm looking at it right now. Or Superman, it's like a. It's like a scene of just his fist is up in the air and he's straight in the teeth. air. Yeah, he moral. He had, he had, <laughs> Lex is just flying. He dragon punches him. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Action Comics 1050 is a fun done in one anniversary issue that sets the stage for what's ahead. I'm giving it a buy it. I really liked it. I really like this, too. And this was really well. Uh, this is a really well done comic. And since you had a bunch of different writers and a bunch of different artists that all meshed together, not all the art was great. Some of it got yeah. really wonky. Like there were some faces that got really weird and it, it, it was the, who was it? It was, uh, it's Mike Perkins, the Mike, Mike Perkins, the Mike Perkins ever. section just got yeah. bizarre. And we both used to love Mike Perkins. And I just, I don't know. It got strange. <laughs> like Superman's face literally changes three times in four panels and two pages where he goes from looking exactly like Henry Cavill to looking a lot like Christopher Reeve <laughs> and it was just like what's yeah. happening <laughs> well and it's it's one thing if the art change like if the change from one artist to another makes sense like it's a scene change yes but there was more than one occasion in this comic where the art change happened in the middle of a scene yeah. and that's weird the Dragota scenes are amazing but then we like get in the middle of the fight on the moon, it changes to a different artist who's still the Clayton Henry, who's yeah. still very good. I like Clayton Henry a lot, but, but it's different. Maybe that's not the place to make that change. That's all I'm saying. Right. I'm still yeah. giving it a buy. This is a lot of fun. It's Joe, remember 2022 January, we were sitting right in these same seats, I believe. And we were talking about a comic book called, Timeless number one. Well, we're back with Timeless number one, the 2023 edition. Oh my God. Why <laughs> is this not Timeless number two? Why? I don't know. <laughs> Come on, you I don't guys. Know. <laughs> Why aren't they just labeled Timeless and then the year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever. This is Marvel. It's $5.99. It's written by Jed McKay. It's got art by Greg Land, Patrick Zercher, Salvador LaRocca, and Jay Leaston. Here is your solicit. All your, all your favorites. Oh, yeah. The last battle of Kang the Conqueror, tyrant of the timeline, master of endless legions, warrior and conqueror without compare. Kang is in search of the one thing he cannot have, but he is not the only one after the missing moment. And Kang soon finds himself in a new position on the run across the events of the Marvel Universe's future. Timeless returns to give readers a peek. And I literally mean peak at what's going to happen to some of their favorite characters in 2023. It's a fun idea. And I like that Kang is your host for this time traveling story. But just like last year, some of the comic looks really good and some is drawn by Greg Land. <laughs> Once again, we get tiny peeks at what 2023 has in store for several MCU characters. And again, they are so tiny that it renders them completely inconsequential to the long-winded story with a mystery that never really piqued my interest at all. The central idea is very good, but there's something in the execution that's just missing here. I'm digging McKay's work on Moon Knight and Strange, but I'd much rather read Kelly and Lansing's Kang any day. I, I just feel like 
this would be so much better executed if they got all the creative teams from these books that we're taking a peek at, right? And let them write a small chapter that Kang passes through. That would make sense rather than like, well, here's a story about Kang. He's in a movie soon. So we got to get him on the cover and we got to get him on like Kang. He's the biggest thing ever. Kang, right? You can still do that. But instead of having this like weird, not Space Knights, but Space Knights versus Kang story with like every once in a while, he jumps through time and there's a picture of Spider-Man doing something weird. And like, oh man, there's a picture of Miss Marvel. She looks messed up. Like it has nothing to do with anything. So I'm giving this a skim it. Because it was, are you? It's guilty of being boring, I guess, but it's not terrible. (laughs) That's the the best thing I can say about it. So, what you're describing with the creative teams coming on and doing their own chapter, like Marvel used to do that. Yes. They called them the point one books. Right. And it would be like Marvel Now, point one, or Marvel. Marvel Now Alpha, point one, or Marvel Even More Now, point one, you know? And they did a few of those and it would be a framing story, right? Where it would be, you could have Kang, for example, yeah, kind of in between each chapter reacting to what is happening. And then the chapters themselves would be by the, the teams of the books that are being launched. Exactly. And, and you could still do this, this story. You could even do this story and it would be more fun if he was like hopping through that thing that they showed you as coming in X-Force or, you know, like they get punched into that thing where it looks like Nightcrawler is wearing a Spider-Man suit for some reason, you know, like that could be fun. Yeah. Jed McKay is a good writer and I know that he's just doing a job here. Like yeah. he's Jed McKay is not like I got this Kang story. I'm dying to tell. Like, I doubt that's the case. I think Marvel conscripted him to do this setup thing. Oh, for sure. And he does his best. The art is awful. I, I think the art is overall pretty terrible. Uh, Patrick Zercher, Patrick Zercher is okay. Greg Land is Greg Land. Almost, he's somehow even more Greg Landy than usual. Yeah, yeah. Some of the faces, some of the faces that he puts on Kang as Kang, Kang is like surprised by something, and he looks like he's on the toilet. He's yeah. like. Whoa. And it's like one of the things that I love about Kang is normally the, the Kang that like Lanzig and Kelly just did reminds me a lot of like classic Kang where he's just deadpan. He's completely dead. Yes. Nothing shakes right. him. And this Kang's walk around like, like oh, don't you yeah. like this Kang is fired up. <laughs> and then the, the LaRocca parts are equally terrible because yeah. LaRocca does the same thing now. Yeah. And it just. <sighs> I'm going to give this a leave it. Okay. That's fine. I like, I I'm, I know I I, right. like Jed McKay. I'm sorry, Jed. I, this is not good. This is a bad, this is not your fault. It's an okay story, terribly executed. And if Marvel wanted to get people interested in what was coming up in their 2023 slate of books, this was not it. No, you know what? You're right. It's a leave it. I'm changing my, it's a leave it. Cause the idea is this is supposed to get us excited about what's happening. 2023 This falls flat doing that. Save yeah. your six bucks and read it on Wikipedia. Yeah. Now that I'm done bullying Matt into changing his ratings, let's check in with detective comics issue number 1067. What is with these huge numbers? It's from DC. It's 499. It's written by Ram V and Simon Spurrier. 
with art by Ivan Rice and Hayden Sherman. Here's your solicit. Now pay attention to this solicit because I think it was written by an AI. I have a feeling. <laughs> Mr. Freeze encounters an Asmir, one of the demonic beings terrorizing Gotham's villainous underground network. And then Mr. Freeze makes an offer to the dark detective that he cannot refuse. That's one sentence. <laughs> then the Orgham's werewolf protector gives Two-Face one more chance to tell him who Batman is. In the backup story, take a stroll inside Two-Face and Harvey Dent's mind as they try to have a secret conversation outside the listening ears of a mysterious shadow stalking them in this headspace. <laughs> that first sentence was not typed by a human being. No. It, it's <laughs> certainly not. No. After a near-death experience battling the Orgum family's werewolf enforcer, Batman finds an unlikely ally in Mr. Freeze, who was also responsible for Batman's near-death last issue. <laughs> Ram V continues his run, pitting the Dark Knight against mysterious foes from deep in Gotham's past. There's an almost lyrical quality to V's writing, which is fitting for a story titled Gotham Nocturne. It's a musical term. Look it up. Ivan Rice delivers his usual excellent work on art, but it seemed to me that it has a slightly darker tint to it, you know, like he's kind of oh, put a little darker tinge to it. Spurrier's backup stories have been digging deep into even weirder territory, this time with Harvey Dent having an internal struggle with his darker half. With excellent art by Hayden Sherman, you may have uh, heard us raving about Hayden Sherman on books like Thumbs and The Few and Above Snakes totally awesome yeah if if you aren't reading the current run of detective comics you're missing out on some of the most wonderfully weird batman comics since grant morrison this is a buy it so i agree weird like grant morrison but not as cosmically weird it's well and also not as difficult to follow yes definitely like <laughs> i i would argue some of the most intelligent batman comics that i've read in years ram v is writing the hell out of this comic and it is wonderful his mr freeze is so good it's incredible i love it and that, the, you posted you posted it, like don't spoil it on the show but you posted it in the forum uh, in the uh discord that that scene with mr freeze oh man. Uh, yeah where he talks to batman and that is that is really like some a plus it really a plus is it's like right after he's helped him and he says this thing and i don't want to spoil it because it's a wonderful moment but it just took me aback this book is so well written and ivan rice had you not told me this was ivan rice i would not have been yeah, able right to, it barely looks like him it really but it's excellent like the guy was and already yeah, no, that's a that, not a not a not a diss at all yeah. it's just like he's doing something different the guy was exceptionally talented and he has leveled up and this is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. The backup story, too, with Two-Face. Oh, my God. Simon Spurrier, please always write Two-Face. This was great. I'm giving this a buy it. I need to go back and read. I, I'm woefully behind. This is not a bad jumping on point to be. Oh, honest. did you just read this issue? I uh, yeah, did. Because this is, um, this is the first issue of the second arc. Right. Now, so, yeah. even with that, I was not lost. V is, Ram V is good enough to just lay it out and be like, they make some mention of some stuff that happened. And I was like, Oh shit, I gotta go back and read that. This sounds really cool, <laughs> but I wasn't so lost. This is, this is the first issue of the second arc, but we are still in act one of Gotham Nocturne, which makes me wonder how long Gotham Nocturne is going to be. I think we've got, I think Ram V has got at least a year worth of this script and I'm fine with it. It's excellent. This is, this is Ram V's buy. nightfall.
Let's jump from one dark gothic universe to another one. The Sandman universe, the dead boy detectives. Number one. God, those titles are long. It's from DC black label. <laughs> it's three 99. It's written by porn sack pitch it show who I've looked him up. That's how he says his name. With, I like, I mean, I don't know how else you would say it. I, I know with art by Jeff Stokely. Here's your solicit. The Sandman universe grows as two of its most beloved characters return to the spotlight. Charles Rowland and Edwin Payne have been detectives for decades and dead best friends even longer. It's so cute. But their investigation into a Thai American girl's disappearance from her Los Angeles home puts them on a collision course with new and terrifying ghosts that could give even a dead boy nightmares, including a bloodthirsty Krause. Or maybe it's just Krause. I don't know. Even scarier than ghosts, though neither wants to admit it, the boys might be growing apart. And perilously close to the boys' adventure, Thessaly, the witch, finds herself held hostage by dangerous magics, both a threat to her life and an insult to her ego. Yeah, she's super pissed. That simply will not go unanswered. Thessaly is such a bitch. I hate her. I kind of love her. I hate Thessaly. <laughs> I kind of love her. Every time Thessaly <laughs> comes back, I'm like, ugh. Oh, but you're supposed to. She's a heel. I kind of love her. I know. She's terrible, but she's awful. Yeah, I get it. Eisner Award-winning writer, porn sack pitch it showed, who works on The Good Asian and Infidel, is joined by celebrated artist Jeff Stokely. You may remember him from Six Gun Gorilla, The Spire, and Ludocrats to take the dead boys to the scariest place of all, the heart of Hollywood. <laughs> it's been quite- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I said the word bitch. I apologize. Well, I mean, she didn't deserve that. Well, dudes she can, didn't deserve it. Dudes can be bitches too. It's fine. It's been quite a while since I read a Charles and Edwin story, but pitch it showed instantly sold me on his take on the dead boys and even gives new readers a quick recap of how they got dead. <laughs> I just have to wonder if these comics are attracting new readers or are they preaching to the Sandman choir? Stoke- I mean, the Sandman choir is very large. I, so I, I don't I'm really sure think it is. It matters yeah, either way. But I don't know if we're getting, if anybody is coming to join the Sandman church at this point. You know, you know what? I guarantee you there are more people in the Sandman choir than there are in the John Stewart Emerald Knight choir. Oh, for so. sure. But there, okay, fair enough. Probably. But Green Lantern definitely outsells this comic. So. Oh, well, yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Stokely's work is perfect for this kind of story featuring two plucky boy detectives who end up dealing with some truly horrifying Thai ghosts thanks to Pitchett Shoat's creepy story. The story also touches on Thessaly the Witch, another beloved Sandman character who had an appearance in the previous Nightmare Country miniseries that followed the Corinthian. It's a good first issue and Pitchett Shoat does a great job taking the boys from investigating murders in England to chasing ghosts in LA. I'm just not sure how they got there yet, but this is a first they teleport. issue. Well, I mean, I know that, but like did they literally just go to LA to watch a movie get made? Was that it? <laughs> well, they were already in LA. They like they right. I just I'm just not sure why they were, they're there yet. Well, they said it. They say it in the they say it in the dialogue where like so and so's been down. I forget which one it is, but like I thought I thought that watching a motion picture get filmed would yeah. you know. But I, I guess bring okay. our spirits up. Or I mean, fine, maybe that that is. But yeah, they, like if you whatever. were a ghost, you 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 would do it too. I suppose. The point being, they're setting up much bigger things for the dead boys. We're not just investigating murders in England anymore. I'm giving this a buy it. It was fantastic. Yeah, this is good. I love the dead boy detectives. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad the Sandman universe is still chugging along. Uh, like I I get what you're saying. I don't know how many people are still 
buying this stuff one yeah. thing. Uh, Sandman was always the kind of thing that sold better in trades anyway, so who knows? Right. But uh I love the Dead Boy Detectives. I do I also need to finish that Nightmare Country book because I love the Corinthian. The Corinthian is so great. Yeah, because he's so creepy, but you can't he's help so be scary. Like, but he's also like has this weird, almost like true sweet sympathetic character yeah. like, it, he's, like he's, he, he has a sympathetic edge yeah uh i loved that i loved that all of the ghosts are just absolute nightmares yeah there's no they're not just disembodied spirits they're like headless yeah spy, or uh, bodiless heads and on spines like, and if you've ever girls watched with their backs that open up if you've ever watched it, any thai horror like i and i'm sure yeah, you no, haven't no thank you it is truly scary shit. And they're all ghost stories, but they're ghosts are straight up monsters. This is a buy it for me. I'm, I'm totally on board. Dead boy detectives, two thumbs way up. Yeah. Let's leave these kitty ghost stories behind and get into something really intelligent, <laughs> hard hitting and, and just like thought provoking. I'm talking, you know what? You can make this exact same joke about another book I'm going to review later, later on. But I'm talking now about Extreme X-Men number two, or as we used to call it back in the day, Exterme X-Men. <laughs> Better known as the book where everyone wears sunglasses for no reason. <laughs> everyone wears sunglasses, yes. It's from Marvel Comics. It's $3.99. It's written by Chris Claremont with art by Salvador LaRocca. Here's your solicit. Logan leads the hunt for Ogun. The extreme X-Men have reunited to aid their comrade Kitty Pride, but as Wolverine leads the hunt for their mutant enemy Ogun, Rachel uncovers Rachel and her mullet uncover a dark secret. And what does purity hope to gain in the chaos of the mutants battle? Chris Claremont and Salvador LaRocca take extreme to the next level in this issue. Now, to be fair, this is Extreme X-Men number two, which is also Technically speaking, Extreme X-Men number 48. Uh, we'll get into it. Which also means uh, Joe Patrick made me read two issues. Of this. I did. We I, look, <laughs> I read them too, okay? This comic features a character named Beastie Brute. Beastie hyphen Brute. Beastie Brute? Who at Marvel thought this would be a good idea? I'm like, I'm really serious. I want to see the profit and loss reports for this series once it's over. This isn't just another nostalgic series set in the past, though. As I said a moment ago, this is Marvel stroking Chris Claremont's ego with a direct continuation of a series that ended 18 years ago, presented with almost zero context. In fact, last month's first issue was more a reset of the Kitty Pride and Wolverine series from 1984 than it was for Extreme X-Men. So you're not really missing anything. The dialogue is peak Claremont and not in a good way. LaRocca's art is painful to look at with obviously traced characters, just dreadful designs and hideously contorted faces oh. right out of a horror film. Yeah. Some of the face like and these are not the faces of the villains. This is like Kitty Pride 
swinging a psychic sword at Ogun or whatever. And she's got, she looks like she's just stepped out of that horror movie smile. Yeah. It's crazy. It looks like the Joker. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the face right now, but not just that. It looks like the woman in Brazil that has her face pulled out by like all the needles yeah, yeah. and stuff. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're doing. To they, like they're just distended. They're, de- yeah. they're deformed. They're grotesque. I don't know who asked for more extreme X-Men, a series that should have been left forgotten but I hope you're satisfied. I'm giving this a leave it like this is awful. Yeah. Yeah. So look, Chris Claremont should be allowed to work. I'm not saying like take his job. I don't want to take food out of anybody's mouth. No. And, and if you are into it, I don't want to yuck your yum. Good for you. That's great. I personally don't see any reason why Chris Claremont's ego is the only one that gets stroked like this at marvel where we go not only do you get to tell your own story but you get to invent a whole bunch of like you know like stuff that that happened over time and like this is happening in the real world and it's a whole separate chris claremont universe like why 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 do we need yeah, that yeah. i i don't understand so we can have rogue with a full tattoo sleeve? Really? Like, right, right. is that what we need? Like, does Rogue have powers or doesn't she? I, I don't know. think she does. I don't even know. I don't even know. You why know why? does Rachel look like she stepped out of the 1980s? Why does she have that haircut? Yeah. Why are Sage and Bishop wearing red sunglasses? And there's so many questions. Well, they all had red sunglasses. <laughs> Come on. You yeah. know this. I, I, I do not care. I am not interested. And I used to love Salvador LaRocca. This it's bad. Is it's bad. really bad. This is bad art. And I know I said I'm going to do better this year and try and talk about art better, but all I can say is this looks bad. <laughs> so. I mean, look, I spelled out all the reasons why it's, yeah. why it's, it's not a good. It. It's the, yeah. This is a leave it. And this is not only a leave it, but this is why, Marvel, why? <laughs> it would be like, it. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm splitting hairs here, but it would be different if it were something like, Joe fix it. Well, we'll talk about or, that. Well, hold on. Or symbiote Spider-Man. Right. Uh, you know, one of those books, I which, mean, which or, we the Gen- also, or the Janice Vell book, which we also are saying, you know, well, why are we doing this now? We're but, saying, we're saying why, but this, this kind of implies that, oh boy, for all of you fans that have read the previous 46 issues of extreme X-Men, today's your lucky day. Yeah. Here's more. And if you didn't, there's the door. I, I, why would you approach it that way? I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it at all. And if you're going to do that, just number it as the next issue. Don't number it as one. You, you really yeah, believe have, in this? Have some guts. You believe <laughs> in this product, Marvel? You believe that we need to continue this after 18 years? Continue the numbering. I friggin' dare you. New Comic Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. I believe Chris Claremont had an X-Men story called Black Sun, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the children. <laughs> I don't think he was... A- of oh, the Black okay. Sun. I'll look that up because I don't know if he was responsible for that. Oh, that was him. That was X-Men Black Sun was Chris Claremont. Children uh, yeah, of the- Chris Claremont, though. You're right. Yeah, I know I was right. Children of the Black Sun, number one from a blaze. It's $3.99. It's written by Dario Siccio with art by Letizia Catonici. Here's your solicit from the artist of the hit series, The House of Slaughter, which I haven't read because I need to catch up on that stuff. It's not difficult to be happy under a blue sky, but it takes a lot of courage to be strong, even under a black sun. Over the years, a black sun has risen twice. A dark dawn whose rays have done terrible things to people's minds, driving them to all sorts of horror. Twelve years have passed, 
since the last time, and the world still fears the return of the inexplicable phenomenon. But fear is not the only legacy of those terrible days. All the women who got pregnant under the influence of the Black Sun, which seems like a terrible time to get pregnant, but whatever, no judgment, have given birth to babies with some peculiarities. White hair. Life finds a way. (laughs) Yes. White hair, ashy skin, abnormal proportions, and eyes as red as fire. The children of the Black Sun. Brightvale is a small town like many others. Here, the children of the Black Sun are treated with particular contempt, especially in the days leading up to the anniversary of the two disasters. The hatred of their fellow villagers, terrified of a possible return of that horror, will push these kids to unite and embark on a hallucinatory journey to discover themselves and their true nature. But is the Black Sun really about to return? Children of the Black Sun was equal parts Children of the Damned meets Twin Peaks. This is a world where something unexplainable and inescapable drove everyone insane. And the creative team does an excellent job driving home how scared the world is and how odd the children conceived during the Black Sun ended up. Katanichi uses an almost surgical thin line to make her characters look off-putting, and I'm not talking about the Black Sun kids, who she draws as the smiling spawns of Satan. (laughs) There's some very creepy world-building here that would be perfect as a theme for any black metal concept record. Children of a Black Sun is an odd, disturbing, and masterful work for fans of cerebral horror storytelling. I am giving this a buy it. It was wild, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. I loved it. I, I thought it was really good. I love the concept. Mm-hmm. I love the concept. It, it, it's kind of got, it's almost like, um, like a night of the comet or, uh, yeah. rising stars, the Straczynski book, right. Where it's just like these kids that happened during this event. Right. Are different and things get weird around them. Well, you know, what and, it is? like just like the umbrella Academy. Umbrella Academy, sure. Exactly. And I, I think it's it's so interesting. Um, I'm I'm glad you said that thing about the 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 odd proportions because at first I was just like, is there something wrong with this art? What is wrong? What's no, going on? No, the kids I can't are, handle this. The kids are mad. They've got up. It, it, <laughs> they've got crazy it, like distended necks. Yeah. It's there it's weird. But they also go out the story goes out of its way to say, hey, look. The children of the black sun are just like you and me, you know, I mean, well, we know, of course, we know, of course, that they're not. Yeah, but maybe. <laughs> but as far as like humanity is, as far as the, the more open minded parts of humanity are concerned, like they realize it's like, look, there's nothing wrong with them. They're human. You know, they've been tested extensively. Like sure. there's no harm in being their friend or whatever. But of course, yeah. <laughs> Things that happen when the sun turns black don't have no consequences. Yeah, Let's just yeah, say yeah. that. <laughs> it's bad news. Uh, I, I love the story. Uh, the art is is very off-putting in like a really good way, yeah. in a very fitting way. Uh, I, I thought it was great. Now, Ablaze, as we've established uh, in previous episodes, is a company that does American reprints of European comics. And so you might notice that some of the dialogue, the English dialogue is a little stilted. 
That's a translation issue. Yeah, it's an Italian. Just they're gonna, Italian creators. Just go with it. Yeah, you know, I mean, you just got to go with it. Don't let it get in the way of a really excellent first issue. This is a buy it for it's me. I really liked it. Creepy as hell. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> know what's wrong with me maybe i've got the post-holiday blues but i did not meet this week's selections with the open heart that i usually do i feel i, I think like am i being no no I am think, i being too hard on them remember that scene in indiana jones the last crusade where like the knight's like you chose poorly <laughs> and the guy's face melts <laughs> yeah i do i think yes. that's where you're at you grabbed the wrong grail bro <laughs> uh, that's what i get for letting matt make his picks before me because my next pick is trojan number one from awa it's 399 it's written by daniel kraus with art by lacy l-a-c-i fun fact if you're looking at the back matter lacy is an a middle-aged gentleman not a 20 something well lady but we can also call ourselves whatever we would like so you know yeah i mean yeah i don't i'm sure that there's more to his name than that Here's your solicit. Once upon a time, we lived alongside legends, creatures of myth, centaurs, fauns, gorgons, kelpies, gnomes, and more. They were spectacular, majestic, powerful, peaceful, pure. This guy cannot get through anything without just making a list of stuff, can he? In comparison, we were ugly, weak, warmongering, rotten. Is it any that see that's going to be funny in a minute? <laughs> Is it any wonder we could not live alongside them any longer? After driving these legends to the fringes of society, an uglier form of mythos takes shape in the form of rumors of live snuff shows for dark web high rollers. When a mysterious young woman Nessa enlists the help of a hacker to take a tour of the grisliest corners of the dark web. They keep capitalizing dark web, which really bothers me. It's like somebody owns it, you know, like dark web, trademark, dark web, PM, dark web, the toilet paper, dark web, the flame, copyright 2023. (laughs) She sets in motion a war between those who peddle to mankind's darkest fantasies and a world that transcends imagination. Trojan is a fantasy thriller full of wonder and horror in equal measure. No, what Trojan is, is gross. Torture porn with fairies. Daniel Krauss pads his script with list after list. Like, seriously, there are at least three different pages of him just listing stuff of the worst things you might find on the dark web. There's a story in there somewhere, but it wallows so deeply in its own grime that I found it impossible to find anything redeeming to recommend it. The art is okay, I guess. I mean, you, you know what? The art's good. I'm being the I'm being unkind. Good. The art is good. The Lacey's art, art Lacey's art is very decent. I just yeah. wish that he had better material to work with. Uh, but it's also not enough to salvage this miserable experience. Trojan number one was a last minute addition to my review list this week. I couldn't get the book I wanted to review. I would have rather been one short, if I'm being perfectly honest. I'm giving this a leave it. If you were to say, hey, there's one thing I know about Joe Patrick. He likes books like X, Y, and Z. Uh, Books like this would be about as far from that list as you can possibly get. I mean, sure. I would still argue, though, that with a, 
I'm not going to say better, but with a different writer, this could have been executed much better because the premise is very clever. I'll give them that. The premise is very clever, but the way that they get to the premise is so forced and ridiculous. Like in what world someone who's, and I'm not trying to give anything away, but like someone comes to someone who like, Hey, you're really good on the dark web and you can help me find this thing. All right, cool. Well, instead of me just asking you the thing that you're looking for, why don't I list off 75 super terrifying, disgusting things that are on the dark web. And you tell me when I get to the one you want. No, <laughs> like right. nothing works right. like that. <laughs> you know, like it's, I mean, I've never been on the dark web, but, but I, mean, the, I, I have to assume that it's the not point like being, that. it's like they just had to pad something out because all they had was the idea, the idea, right? right? torture porn for like mythical beasts. Okay. We've written that on the napkin. I get it, but you're not executing it. It, this reminded me of that. Uh, what was the movie with Nicholas cage? It, what was it? It was called like eight millimeter. That was it where it was like, I'm the FBI agent that's investigating snuff films, you know, but we can't show an actual snuff film in this movie or it won't be rated R. So instead we'll just have a long scene of me sitting in a chair, watching a snuff film going, ah, ah, ah! what are we doing (laughs) you gotta be better you're like if you're gonna execute this execute it this is not well executed this is a leave it it it, it's it's a clever idea that is extremely poorly executed i will i will agree begrudgingly that there is a hint of an idea in here that has potential and like even in the back matter kraus writes about himself and he's he's like i grew up obsessed with faces of death i mean yeah the faces and of death movie franchise and it's like that's obvious okay and that's obvious and that's fine like look I, there's a place for some of this stuff i'm not gonna say like i haven't seen torture porn movies that i don't like i think there's plenty more that are terrible it's hard to get it right they're not getting it right basically and i feel like awa we have given a lot of books that have come out of AWA similar reviews because they all feel like plots where literally it's four words written on a napkin that was handed plots to somebody. in search of a story. Yeah. And, and I don't get it. And this is a leave it. Matt loves torture porn. That's the takeaway from this review. <laughs> I love it, man. Oh, you burn somebody's eye out. I'm in. <laughs> I just make sure they're naked and there's poop everywhere. Oh my. <laughs> All right, enough of this torture porn bullshit. I want to talk about Mosley, number one. It's from Boom Studios. It's $4.99. It's written by Rob Guillory with art by Sam Lofty. Here's your solicit. From farmhand creator Rob Guillory and Sam Lofty, who worked on Harley Quinn, Mosley is a satirical sci-fi blockbuster perfect for fans of God Country and Ghost Cage. Those are two very different books Ex- that are nothing like this book. Extremely different, and I agree. I, don't, I love both of those books. I don't think yeah. either of them are like this story. In the hyper-technological world of the latter 21st century, Mosley is a bitter old janitor on a mission from a higher power to unleash holy hell upon the too-big-to-fail tech gods. Can one man bring down the corporate powers who've used their vast influence to oppress an all-too-complacent human race and hopefully win back the favor of his estranged family while at it? Mosley's taking up the holy hammer, and you better believe he's going to smash some shit 
until he sets mankind free. Each issue has wall-to-wall content and will feature a bonus story by series writer Rob Guillory, starting with issue number two. So not each issue, just starting with issue number two, we'll get a bonus story. Picture a world where a lowly Twitter user with less than 10 followers was given the power to take down Elon Musk, and you have an idea of where Rob Guillory's latest high-concept story seems to be going. Unlike his last two series, this one departs from food to focus on tech in the future, after it's used the metaverse to conquer mankind, basically through distraction. Luckily for us, there are Luddites like Mosley who have no interest it's a John Henry meets Thor story where the little guy might be humanity's only hope. Lofty's pencils are wonderful, and they switch yes. from Mosley's everyday mundane life to the lunacy of the metaverse and back to the reality of the Blade Runner-esque future the children of the modern day live in. The last few pages are pure, exploding, godlike Ragnarok madness that really got me excited for where the series could go. Mosley feels like Guillory's take on Magnus Robot Fighter. I cannot wait to read more yeah. of this. I'm giving it a buy it. This was just fun. Okay. Do you remember the movie Hancock? Yeah, I hated it. Starring Will Smith? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the spoilers for Hancock, if you haven't seen it, but the first half of Hancock is what it's advertised as in the trailers. It's right. Will Smith as a homeless, drunk superhero that just causes more harm than good, typically. Sure. And Jason Bateman tries to help him clean up his image and blah, blah, blah. So that's that's the first half of Hancock. And then all of a sudden, there's a twist where it's revealed that Hancock is actually like, I don't know, one of the Eternals, basically. Something. And he's got a wife that he forgot who's also one of the Eternals. Oh, and she happens to be married to Jason Bateman. And then it becomes a completely different movie. All right. Where are we going here? (laughs) So that's kind of how I felt about Mosley number one. I thought it was two different stories. And I had a really hard time figuring out how the front half connected to the back half. Which isn't to say that's necessarily bad because I liked both halves. I just, I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything. So I, I, I don't know how we got from point A to point B is what I'm saying. But I did enjoy myself. I thought the art was great. I'm really happy to see Rob Guillory grow as a writer. You know, he's he, he's come a long way from his days drawing Chew. And this is fun. I'm giving it a buy it as well. I'd like to know more about how he got to be the guy he is without spoiling anything in the second part. I believe that is part of a mystery that we're going to see unveiled. Okay. And then, then that's fair enough. That leads to why he's been given these. Maybe those will be part of the exciting backup stories. We're getting starting an issue too. Could be. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, I'm going to give that a buy it. I know I said I had the blues, but it turns out the holidays ain't over. Thanks to shipping woes. (laughs) I'm talking next about Scotch McTiernan's holiday party. It's a one shot from image. It's three 99. Good price for as long as it is. It's written by Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn with art by Scott Koblish. You might recognize them as the creators of uh, that particular run of Deadpool. Like those guys worked together for a while on those books. Here's your solicit. 
First came the 420 special, otherwise known as uh, something about the war on weed. I know that we reviewed it on the show. Scotch McTiernan and the war on weed. Yes. Yeah. And then came Scotch McTiernan's Halloween party. And now the former Deadpool chums form Voltron again to bring you Scotch's holiday bash. Emphasis on bash. The most powerful Scrooges in the human race are visited by the ghosts of Christmas future when they try to colonize Mars. All the fun, insanity, and thought-provoking violence of the first two comics are perfected in this third holiday installment. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll buy one to read and one to slab for your descendants. <laughs> That's clever. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Scotch McTiernan is back for a third one-shot special with a Dickensian Christmas parody from Duggan Posehn and Kolbush. The story is over-the-top irreverent and hyper-violent as Scotch traverses time and space to dispense harsh lessons in morality. It's fine. But the jokes mostly fell flat for me, and the parody started to wear out its welcome before the end. It's just, we get it already. I really liked the art by Scott Koblish, though, which straddles the line between comedy and action really nicely. Reminded me a lot of somebody like Ryan Otley. Yeah. Who can draw, like, intense, violent action, but also, like, really goofy shit. Scotch McTiernan's holiday party had its moments, but I probably would have been happier staying home i'm giving it a skim it yeah this is like if there's anything great here it is definitely Koblish's art and he gets to flex his muscles doing some really weird shit which is great but i feel like they've kind of rode this pony to its logical conclusion with the 420 special and did we need more you know and, and now it's just like kind of forcing it i'm gonna give it a skim it as well i was borderline leave it because i didn't think it was very funny it's not that it's bad it's just no. like i didn't really need i didn't really feel like right I like who's demanding anything from reading you it? know it's like they're trying to make it a thing <laughs> and scotch McTiernan right. is not a thing sorry guys it's just not you can't make fetch. right yeah, you're not right. gonna make fetch happen you know what i mean <laughs> so yeah I'm mean, mean girls reference yeah i'm giving it a skim it i take it back the takeaway from this episode is that matt loves torture porn and mean girls. and mean girls yes yeah Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Okay, Joe, nobody knows that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Like Mr. Joe Fix-It, number one, is from Marvel. It's three ninety nine. It's written by Peter David with art by Yildire Sinar. Here's your solicit. Peter David's tour to force through some of his greatest Hulk hits continues with a return to Joe Fix-It. Gone are the ripped-up shorts of the Hulk of yore. This enforcer prefers the slick suave of a striped suit, and the Hulk has traded in his monster for mobster as he lends his strength to the Las Vegas casino scene. Of course, the Kingpin has his own ideas about who the toughest guy in town is, and it's up to Spider-Man to keep the two of them from destroying Sin City! So Marvel continues their recent flashback miniseries just for the heck of it with this look back at Hulk's Joe Fixit period, which when pointed out by Peter David seems pretty ridiculous that no one could figure out this was a different version of the Hulk. Right. <laughs> like nobody in this comic could look and be like, dude, that's the Hulk. <laughs> they were all I mean, I did, it. I did like the bit, like when Peter, when Peter Parker is at the airport and he's watching the news and they show that like Mr. Fixit's never caught on camera. Right. You're right. And he's just like, oh, sure. it's mysterious. Sure. Like, I'm all right. Fine. 
But then when you come but face to face you with meet dude, the guy right. and you shoot yeah. a gun at him. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Exactly. Sure, he dresses like a 30s gangster, but the jawline, the hair, the bulletproof skin, it was all there. And yet the kingpin can't figure this out. The kingpin is definitely seen the Hulk. There's no question. Well, not only that, but the kingpin didn't attack him until after his goons tried to shoot him. Right. Now, personally, I love this time in Hulk's history, and Al Ewing did a wonderful job revisiting and explaining Mr. Fix-It in his immortal Hulk run. I'm just not sure I need to go back again for an untold story of Joe Fix-It. Even with some of the strongest art I've seen from Sinar yet, the book looks great. You know, like most of these other one-shots or minis that are focusing on, like, some period of time of a character, I... Still have yet to hit one that I've really enjoyed. I'm giving this a skim it. They've all been skim it's for me so far. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, it's, it's a skim it. It's, it's fine. Peter David slips right back into writing the Hulk. If you're going to get a guy to do it, it might as well be Peter David. Sure. The art is great. I really love the cover by Cully Hamner. That's like the cover was great. Like out of nowhere is like Cully Hamner comes in with a banger of a cover. Yeah. But this, did this uh, almost feel like a waste of Peter David to you, though? Like, no, because he's been doing the, he's been doing all these. He I know. Wrote, I, he wrote not, the Genesville book. He wrote the Studio yeah. Spider Man. I'm books. not saying he's not, but like all of them have just kind of felt like, did we need Peter David to write? Like so somebody else probably my, could have written this just the same way. You know, this is my suspicion, and I don't know if I'm right, but I kind of suspect that Peter David is not the sort of writer that Marvel is comfortable putting on something major. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Like they're not going to make him the new Avengers writer. Right. Just like Claremont. Yeah. And so they like, they like the guy they want him to like, they know that his books sell, but I don't think, I think his days as an A-list writer are behind him. Sure. Which is a shame because he's still got it. Right. Guy's still great. But yeah, it's a skim. It, it like, uh, once again, if you didn't read this, you wouldn't be missing out. If you really love the Joe Fixit storyline, I mean, check it out. Whatever. It's, it's better than Extreme X-Men. I'll say that. <laughs> it is better than Extreme X-Men. But I will, may, I will say that the scene, like, spoiler, the scene where the Kingpin, like, charges at Joe Fixit thinking yeah. he can beat him is, like, ludicrous it just doesn't make any sense the kingpin's a smart no. guy we're not dealing Your with like just emptied their guns into him right this isn't the rhino it's the kingpin he's a very intelligent guy <laughs> right know? right oh thank god we almost didn't make it but we're here at our final review of the episode it is of Scarlet Witch, number one. I'm sure Matt is, was very excited. You know what? I was pleased to find out that this was not a moment in time in the Scarlet Witch's history that I don't care about. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so It's uh, from Marvel. It's $4.99. It's written by Steve Orlando with art by Sarah Pacelli. Here's your solicit. The Scarlet Witch returns. There is a door. You know what? I went out of my way not to spoil that in the comic, and here they are. There is a door that appears only to those who need it most, who have no one else in the world to turn to. On the other side of this door is the witchcraft shop. Friend or foe, human or otherwise, if your need is great and your hope is gone, then you will meet the Scarlet Witch. Wanda Maximoff is familiar with hitting rock bottom, and now that she's finally found peace, she's pledged all her power to help others who are languishing at their lowest. 
But when a woman falls through Wanda's door with a terrifying story of a town gone mad, the Scarlet Witch will have to muster her wits and chaos magic to deal with an insidious threat. Uh, I already told you who did it, but Steve Orlando, you might recognize him from uh, books like The Marauders and Midnighter at DC. Sarah Pacelli worked on Ultimate Spider-Man and Spider-Men. She is a powerhouse of an artist. Yeah, tremendous. When this book was announced, Matt and I were less than enthused. <laughs> While I don't share his complete disdain for the character, we both agree that it's been a very long time, if ever, since she's been used to her full potential and doubted that a compelling take on the character could be found. I couldn't have been more happy to be proven wrong. Steve Orlando reestablishes Wanda Maximoff as a Madame Xanadu-esque shopkeeper offering hope to people who feel like they have none. The setup with the lost door, which I was trying not to spoil, but the solicit spoiled it. Sorry about that. Is perfect. Not only that, but Thor and WandaVision's Darcy Lewis makes her comic book debut as Wanda's assistant. In a first issue packed with obscure villains, ethereal mysticism, and Quicksilver at his snarky best, it's clear that Orlando is having a blast. The art by Sarah Pacelli is so gorgeous that it makes me angry. Because I know that there's no way she's going to be on the book for the long term. I'm yeah. giving it three issues. Yeah. First arc and she's out. But. I suppose I'll take it while I get it. I mean, I'd be a fool not to. Scarlet Witch number one establishes a great new status quo for Wanda, bringing a character that's almost always been underserved back into the spotlight. I'm giving this a huge buy it. I loved this comic. Like you said, I don't care about Scarlet Witch. I feel like she's too powerful. She's always a problem. And they should have killed her a long time ago. <laughs> so, yeah. You know what? But I actually meant to. I meant to put this in my review that her powers do remain uh, so high that she is too dangerous to live. That's still a thing. That is still a thing. And they are dealing with that. And you have to. And I appreciate that Orlando, who is a very talented writer, didn't dumb it down and be like, no, I'm just going to do it my way or make it whatever. This feels like the same Scarlet Witch, but they've given her a mission. She has stuff to do. Her brother is here. There's things that make sense for the character. like we've actually got something to do with her as opposed to just making her this deus ex machina that shows up to fix something or break something for a plot. You know, she's, this is interesting. The art is tremendous. I really, really enjoyed this. And yeah. I went into it dreading this read, just dreading this read. I knew that you would, but I got to say, I came out the other end. This is fun. This is really fun. I'm giving this a huge buy it. I, I had for, I like I know that we talked about it on cover to cover. I, I'm sure we read the announcement, but I forgot Sarah Pacelli was going to be the artist. Yeah. And so when I opened the book, I, I was just like, whoa, it's gorgeous. I will say also Pacelli draws the, everyone with gigantic boobs <laughs> for some reason. Uh, this book is so horny <laughs> yeah. for ladies, for chicks and for dudes. Yeah. Because yeah. other than Quicksilver, who is dressed head to toe. Uh, all of the other dudes in this book have like a weird kind of like square neck that's deep enough that you see a bush of their chest hair sticking out. Like they are fucking manly men. And those all guys. the girls are stacked. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, no, this book is super horny. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And I, I kind of like the the Starfire thing they did where Wanda flies around and she's got the her hair is red and it's like yeah. that's neat. It's, I like that. So the um there's a the the last page uh, which you would normally uh, traditionally be where you would see like a letters page or whatever uh is a page of Russell Dowderman's character redesign for Scarlet Witch. He's the cover artist, he redesigned her costume. She's got a great new costume. It's great. But also they've created this new thing where she's like in action using her powers, her hair kind of just like yeah blends into this magical like Starfire's fire, uh, and it's gorgeous. From yeah, Dodderman's notes when using her powers, Wanda's dark curly hair blends into magic hair with a starry effect. Love it, love it. It looks great. Dodderman's beautiful. Redesign yeah, really everybody. Good. I'm in. <laughs> like, that guy's great. It's the reason that guy does all the Hellfire Gala yeah, stuff. He's like, great. He's the go-to guy. We have always got links with more info on all the comics we just reviewed in our show notes if you want to know more. But now, before we can move on, it is time to pick the best comic we read in this pile to join the THN permanent collection. Joe Patrick, which one are you bagging aboard? What you got? <laughs> you know, it, I was a little bit worried at first because I felt like I hated 75% of the books I reviewed this week. <laughs> uh, but it's Scarlet Witch for me. Th th that comic came out of nowhere. And I'll tell you why. Because not only did I really, really love this new mission, this new status quo, the art, everything, but... We were both dreading it. Yeah. Not because Matt, because he hates the Scarlet Witch. Me, because Steve Orlando's last Wanda story was that Darkhold event, which I did not like. No, no. Uh, and so I was worried, but it knocked my socks off. I loved it. Scarlet Witch, number one. Right on. So for me, it was between Detective or the Dead Boy Detectives, two detective books. But I think, like, look, both of those are built in, and I love them because of what they are and how they're being handled. So I'm going to give it to Children of the Black Sun because I had no idea what it's I was getting into. Yeah. And it just blew me away. When I was finished, like, man, that was wild. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I haven't read anything like that in years. Really enjoyed right. it. Children of the Black Sun. That's my pick. I almost felt like I had to disqualify Detective Comics because it's, like, the fifth chapter. <laughs> You know what I mean? Sure. It's kind of a weird thing. And it's, to, and it's Batman. So if you do it well, I'm in. You got me. You know? But I mean, like, look, all, all all the THN permanent collection means is like the, fav the our favorite thing we read. So. Sure. Um, but yeah, there there were a lot of great picks. Uh, this, this was just kind of like polar opposite week on THN, where it's like <laughs> great, 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 terrible, terrible, terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's a new year, but time works differently in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. The barriers between the present and future become intertwined, allowing us to glean the secrets of next week's comics. Matt, what has your gaze settled on for your must-read picks for next week, Wednesday, January 11th? I blame the Sanctorum every time I'm late for something. So I'll be like, look, time's weird there. There's nothing I can do about I, it. I, I thought it was the... Uh, <laughs> Still, it's I'm real, sorry. It's two o'clock where I am. My pick for next week is Lazarus Planet Alpha 
number one. Just in case you didn't know that alpha means you get it. Anyway, it's from DC. It's $5.99. It's written by Gene Luing Yang and Mark Wade with art by Billy Tan of Tan Comics and Ricardo Federici. That's what he goes by now, I guess. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. But Tan yeah. I guess. No. It's kind of like in the 90s where some comics were drawn by Diodato Studios, which was a great way to get Mike Diodato's name on it when he didn't actually draw. Yeah, he had some schlug, some schlub drawn for him, and he would go, yeah, looks that, that good, look, put my name on like it. Him. <laughs> All right, yeah. Here's your solicit. Change the world! Following the explosive literally events of batman versus robin number four the lazarus volcano has erupted that's the explosive part if you didn't know spewing dangerous and transformative chemicals into earth's atmosphere as these lazarus clouds rain down upon the planet people across the globe begin to develop strange new abilities didn't this happen to the inhumans not too long ago wait was there something like that? Uh. <laughs> right? There was a Terrigen mist cloud yeah. when Black Bolt, Black Bolt blew up the city. As yes. I'm reading this, it's just all sounding really familiar. Anyway, people across the globe begin to develop strange new abilities, watch their already extraordinary abilities change, and witness a whole host of chaos. Unlike anything the DCU has experienced before, it's up to Damian Wayne to put out the distress call for whoever can still hear it. Come to the ruins of the Hall of Justice and help save the world! Poison Ivy, Power Girl, Cyborg, Batman, and more answer the call. But why could the fate of all life as we know it rest in the hands of Monkey Prince? Okay, I don't care about for the Monkey Prince, but I really, really liked Bat or Robin versus Batman. And I love yes. what they're doing with Damian Wayne right now. There is an argument that this is a little close to the last big event we just had where the DC was left in ruins and everything screwed. <laughs> but hey, it's a rough place to live. If you don't like it, then, you know, there's a, I'd like to say the Marvel Universe is better, but it's just as screwed. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, you mentioned how it sounded familiar to the Inhumans thing where, where a, a Telen blew up and yeah. the mist went over. It didn't just to go over. Me, the cloud chased mutants around, remember? <laughs> no, it didn't. It yeah. circled the globe. And it killed mutants, but they were like, oh. It killed mutants, but it didn't like chase. It wasn't sentient. Ah, felt uh, like but this reminds me of an event that actually DC put out in the 90s called Genesis. And the premise of Genesis was basically the source wall farted and sent out a wave of energy across the universe. Come on, source wall. Did the source wall say, and, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, oh, excuse me. I shouldn't, have I shouldn't have eaten that new God for breakfast. And so as this God wave was hurtling across the universe, it would affect people in the DC universe and their powers would change and their personalities would change. This is kind of a similar situation, but Genesis is very, very bad. And Mark Wade did not write it. So I trust this dude. I trust this team. They're very yeah. good. And Billy Tan of Tan Comics. I mean, come on. <laughs> My it? pick for next week goes to Black Cloak. Number one from Image. It's $4.99. It's written by Kelly Thompson with art by Meredith McLaren. Here's your solicit. Series premiere. Eisner Award winning writer Kelly Thompson heads to Image for the first time with Black Cloak. An all new series with artist Meredith McLaren. Blade Runner style mixes with saga-esque drama in a delectable no, don't do that. Sounds like you want to eat slash it. <laughs> right? Fantasy sci-fi blend as two black cloaks try to solve the murder of a beloved prince in Kiros, the last city in the known world, before his murder tips the city into war. 
the mystery begins in a spectacular triple length first issue for $4.99. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. So Black Cloak was a Substack original that Kelly Thompson put out. And uh, you might recall that we reviewed the first uh, chapter of it on the show. Yeah, she gave and it away free. We loved it. It was great. Um, so I'm expecting that this this being a triple length first issue, I'm I'm thinking it's multiple chapters squeezed together. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more of this uh, this series because I just couldn't be bothered to keep up with anybody's Substack content. Yeah, the Substack books that they were putting out, they weren't exactly like full issues. It was like page by page and then it'd be like, that's the end of chapter one or whatever. So I yeah. think they ch- she probably took like the first three chapters and this is a you know big honking boy for you to read. But yeah, wonderful art by Meredith McLaren too. Yeah, beautiful. McLaren is really good. So looking forward to this. The trade of the week for next week goes to Dega, volume one. A hardcover. It's from Oni Press. It's $21.99. It is written and drawn by Dan McDade. Here's your solicit. A crash ship, a lone survivor, a monstrous secret hiding in the dark under the world. This is Dega, the new graphic novel from Doctor Who, Judge Dredd, and Firefly artist. Uh, don't forget Vandroid, okay? Dan McDade, written <laughs> and illustrated and lettered by McDade. Dega delivers a stirring, unsettling blend of hard-boiled sci-fi action, hypnagogic surrealism, and existential mystery. Whew. <laughs> Hailed as Electric, a title you have to read cover to cover, back to front. By Richard Starkings. That's what he sounds like. He worked on Elephant Man. And beautiful. Valerian meets Ronan by MindlessOnes.com. <laughs> the clues are all there, but hurry. Time is running in. I don't know. Just dot, dot, dot. I think so. it's a, that's a wordplay. Like time is running in right? instead of running out. Oh, 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 I get it. I get it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, hypnagogic. Yeah. Relating to the state immediately before falling asleep. There you go. Yeah, dreamy, wild. Yeah, like so, dreamlike. Yeah, so real, like, baby. Uh, we love Dan uh, McDade, and we love Dan McDade so much that we are picking this for our THN Take a Look. It's in a book club offering that we'll review at the end of the month. We're getting back to that. More on that in our Patreon segment, though. The point here is this looks fantastic. Dan McDade is a badass. We love his art. We love his stories. We love his sci-fi. Can't wait for this one. It's going to be a good time. And we love his sweet caboose. Whoa. I mean, I don't know if he has a sweet caboose. Yeah. I was just trying to I love him for more than just his caboose. All right. <laughs> uh, for me, my love of Dan McDade is purely physical. Yeah, is that right? Yep. Let us know if our picks of the week made you shake your caboose over at our Discord in the new comics channel. And don't forget to tell us what you're reading while you're there. Before we get out of here, it's time for a sneak peek of our THN Extra. When you support THN on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to all kinds of extra content, just like this. Happy New Year, nerds, and because it's a new year, that means it's time for our THN Nerd Year Resolutions. Joe and I have decided and it's time to make some improvements, not just to this damn show, but to our damn selves, too. Joe Patrick, why don't you start us off with a couple of your nerd resolutions for the show? 
for the show. Yeah. Oh, so as Matt and Matt uh, hinted, uh, we kind of split this up between the two of us. Uh, we've got a couple of resolutions that we want to do that are show centric and a couple of resolutions that are just for us. And I think that's a good way to, you yeah. know, take care of the take care of the show and ourselves. You know, oh, you got to sure. look after yourself. Self-care is important. So my resolutions for the show. Number one with a bullet. Read more graphic novels. Yeah. Original graphic novels. And, and that includes a backlog of all the stuff that I've missed. Uh, like Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips's Reckless series. Haven't read a single one. Yeah, I got to read those um, too. God damn it. No Kate excuse. Bo- Kate, I know. Kate Beaton put out a new graphic novel. I am a huge Kate Beaton fan. I didn't even know it was coming. It's fantastic. And I like, I feel so disconnected from that sort of stuff and I need to get on it. Um, well, the good news though, we're bringing back the book club, the THN. And that's why, yeah, we're, Take a we're look doing at, that. In a book club because it forces us to do this because we can't just do stuff for enjoyment. We need to be forced by a podcast that we host to do this stuff or we won't. <laughs> we don't need to be forced, but the podcast does help. It is oh, some incentive. We do. <laughs> My second resolution for the show, we have got to finally start making good on our Patreon rewards. We sent out one wave of stickers uh, uh, ages ago. Yeah. And the Patreon, uh, our, our list of patrons has grown and changed since then there are a lot of people that didn't get stickers we might as well just send stickers to everybody again at this point <laughs> it's probably sure. less work yeah just to make sure and yeah, you then to, like, two, i'm sure try to sort then to try to sort out who we already sent them to not just that uh, t-shirts t-shirts we're doing we it. also we have promised so many damn things i promised people original art i let's be real here i haven't picked up a pencil to draw off of my ipad i haven't drawn on paper in two years yeah but you can make them nfts so, bro they're huge you can't I mean me? uh, i guess i'm asking <laughs> you know i'll put it out into the universe would people be willing to accept instead a nice high resolution full color digital drawing from Joe i mean Patrick? you could always print it out too and send it as a print you know whatever yeah i know but it's not the same thing sure. it's not the same thing that's still cool um, wrap it in a tube and everything man that's right i get it i know it's just but we need to do better we promised t-shirts at some point matt had an idea for doing beer koozies i think that actually still yeah, yeah, says yeah. beer koozie we're doing on our patreon we're for doing like the, beer for koozies, like the, baby. uh the two dollar people or the five dollar people somebody gets a beer koozie yeah we need to talk to ethan because he can do this and and he's offered to do it one thing that i want to throw out there and we'll throw this out on our discord to talk about though like what kind of a THN t-shirt would you want? Is it just our logo? Is there some art of ours that you think is good? Do you want like a crazy two-headed nerd full-on like metal shirt that looks like absolutely terrifying writing you can barely read? Because I do. <laughs> no, I don't. I veto that. I want one. So oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> you, you know what? You can get one made for yourself, bud. But see, and that's another thing is that we have a lot of art from people that have given us fan art over the years. Yeah. But I'm not sure how that works. In terms of like, hey, Michelle FIFA, can I take this drawing and make it on it, put it on a T-shirt? Yeah, here's how it works. We just ask them and say it's for our patrons. I know, I, but right. <laughs> if they say uh, no, we don't. But there are also logistic things. And then we talk the mad shit about them on the show. <laughs> we talk mad shit. Anyway, that's all logistical stuff that you need to that yeah. you don't need to hear. But one of my resolutions for 2023, making good on Patreon rewards yeah. at least some headway is better than no headway, which is our usual MO. And yet, for some reason, you people not only continue to donate, but more of you 
come out of the war. I don't get it. I don't get it. It just means people. What are we like? What have we done? People have too much money. Apparently, I don't know. Did you make a Faustian bargain? Did you did you gamble your marriage away? I I don't even Fisto. I don't even believe in Faust, dude. (laughs) I just think he rules. That's all. And Faust is the guy that made the bargain. Those are my those are my resolutions for the show, Matt. What do you got? Okay, for the show, I want to. I need to learn to critique art better. I need to do it because. I was thinking about it just based on a couple of the last shows uh, that I listened to while I was editing. And I was like, man, if I am going to say that I don't like art, especially if I don't like something, I don't want to be that jerk on the show. It's like, this art sucks. looks like a little kid drew it. And I I don't, I'm not that guy, but I want to make more. Sometimes we do say things like this art is terrible. That's different though. But we also. We'll go into. We also go into it, yeah. Right. There's serious body problems. There's serious framing problems. I don't know what's happening in this panel. You know? I mean, and I like to stress the fact that I am not an artist. Excelsior! (laughs) That is it for THN 691. Next week, we're going to scramble to come up with a theme for our... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> our cosmic long box show because we never talk about it. We come up with it so quick. It's ridiculous. Why can't we be better at this? But what we do, I don't know. Do we read back issues based on a theme? And it's super Maybe the fun. spontaneity is part of its charm. I think it is. I think it is. And we usually argue about it a little bit. And then one of us goes, oh, that is way better than what I had. <laughs> so. Yeah. In other news, Cover to Cover returns this weekend. Hit us up for our live call-in show. We call it Cover to Cover. I just talked about it. It happens on Saturdays at 10.30 Central Time. You can check out our Discord for details. Joe Patrick, what is the first question of the week for 2023? This week's question, it's time for the 12th annual Listener's Choice Awards. We want to hear your picks for the best and the worst that comics had to offer this year. You already heard Matt and I give our best. Yeah. We're going to give our worst, but we want to hear your best and worst. And what if for and for anything, comics, video games, yeah. movies, best and worst, uh, nerd stuff of 2022. We want to hear your nerd, your resolutions too. Throw those in there, you know? Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, please keep your question of the week suggestions coming. And if you can't make it to cover to cover live, shoot an MP3 to two at nerd at gmail.com. Or leave a message on the THN hotline. That number is 402-819-4894. If you leave a message or send an MP3, please keep it to two minutes or less. If you're new to this show and you're feeling your caboose is unusually loose after listening, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive over at TwoHeadedNerd.com. See, we tell them to go there. It happens. THN is a listener-supported podcast. It wouldn't be possible without generosity of donors like our longtime patron, Stephen Dowell. How long is uh, Stephen Dowell? I've never even heard of this name. Who is he? Just lurking? Yes, you have. He's been, a pa- he's been a patron for s- several years. At Talk this point. to us, Stephen. Check in with us. Thank buddy. you. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. If you like what you hear every week and you want to be cool like Mr. Stephen Dowell, it's easy to support the show. You can sign up to be a patron over at patreon.com backslash two headed nerd. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to the MCU's bow slinging family man, Jeremy Renner who's currently in the ICU recovering from surgery. Renner suffered serious injuries to his chest and leg 
while helping a motorist trapped in the snow on Sunday. It's crazy. His freaking bobcat ran him over. Word to you, Hawkeye. We hope you'll be on the mend and back in action soon. He sent, he posted a picture from the hospital. He's doing better. But still, I mean, he got hurt real bad. Some of the worst so. reporting I've ever seen when it happened, too. It was well, just like a lot of it is like we don't really know what happened. Yeah, because like, he, Jeremy he, Renner like, is in critical condition after a snow blowing incident. Like what? Snowplow, <laughs> snowplow. But yeah, his his like his snowplow, which is like on treads with like a big you know front loader bulldozer kind of thing. Yeah, like ran over his leg or something. God, crazy. And he had yeah chest trauma and leg injuries. So, Ugh. but hopefully he's a. Uh, Firing those arrows again. He's a tough guy. Soon. He'll be okay. He's an Avenger. He's tough. He'll be fine. Yeah, I know. Until he's next, got some of that. He's got some of that Stark Industries healthcare. <laughs> I'm sure. Until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics, or your retailer might just toss them into your snowblower. This is the two-headed nerd.